This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Today, we're going to talk a lot about meditation. We're going to talk about the Eastern philosophies a little bit. And we're going to talk about uh, um, if you're going through a period in your life where you are stuck in what seems like um, a never-ending period of grief and and lack of understanding of what's happening in your world. Uh, we've got a young lady who's with us who's going to be very, very instrumental in helping us do that. But first... I have to say hello to my friend, Nathan. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, Kevin. Doing well. How about yourself? Oh, awesome. Thank you. Boy, have we had the week here at Positive Talk Radio, haven't we? We have. Um, Monday with Christina Siwi, who um, was a top 10 finisher in American Idol and is the author of a children's book. And uh, that was that was a wonderful interview. And uh, then Elena Chapman was on Wednesday, and she helps people get in touch with their soul. And today we've got uh, Kimberly Brown, and we're going to be talking. She's an author and uh, a, um, a motivational speaker and does all kinds of wonderful things. And uh, we're going to be talking to her in just a second. But, uh, you know, uh, if you want to go pick up any of these, these episodes that have been on KKNW or on the podcast, you can go to positivetalkradio.net and you can uh, download and listen to all of them and i highly recommend you do that it's it's uh we do a good job for you and uh and some really 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 interesting people i do have to say so um nathan the weather's good the the traffic's okay everything good yeah weather is just typical seattle rainy wet gray out there and it looks like it's going to stay that way for a while but at least the winds are gone surprisingly i did not lose power that I was weird either. I, I was very very fortunate that uh, we didn't we didn't lose the power and and all that because especially in the winter time i don't have a fireplace uh, so if if i lose power i get cold oh neither do i so i mean i can start to see my breath in my house if that power goes <laughs> yeah, that's that's never a good thing. That's never a good thing. So, um, well, very good. I'm glad everything's in order, and we are going to uh, begin right now with Kimberly Brown. And and Kimberly, welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, uh, Kevin. I'm well, thank you. It's really terrific to be here and to see you again. It's it's awesome to see you as well. And uh, I want to bring our audience up to speed a little bit because you grew up as an adoptee and you had an alcoholic parent and you had a lot of strife going up when you were when you were younger and then there came a point in time when you kind of made this switch can you talk about a little bit about how that came to be yeah absolutely you know kevin um in when i was a young adult in my 20s i that's when i recognized how much i was struggling and course I wasn't sure what to do and I tried all the things that were kind of taught to do like you know have ambition try to get money try to get you know a date um all of those things and it is I still didn't feel very good and I started to recognize and this I think for everyone is a really good learning that I needed to ask for help 
and I began um, doing traditional therapy, and that was really helpful to me. And then I guess a few years later, I was training to be a therapist, and I started to have panic attacks. And I realized, oh, I know exactly why I'm having this panic attack. You know, I can tell you my history and what triggers it, but I didn't really understand or have the tools to work with my mind in a way that was useful. And that's what led me to learn meditation. And it was through meditation and you know, simple mindfulness practices that helped me um, just feel less swept away by these panic attacks. And also I would, and I still do sometimes, start to have fear of having a panic attack, which would just compound, you know, the whole experience. And so with these practices, both of mindfulness meditation and of compassion practices, you know, practices of offering myself kindness and love, uh, that has eased those sorts of experiences for me. And they haven't vanished. But when those experiences happen, I just feel that they're less, uh, they're less powerful and they're less, I'm less afraid of them. And I'm more understanding that, well, this is a part of my life that will happen from time to time. It's not a bad thing. And they come and go. Well, I have to ask you because I don't know. Well, I don't know what I don't know. So I don't know whether I've ever had a panic attack or not. What is a panic attack and what are the physical symptoms and mental symptoms that go along with it? Sure. You'll sometimes hear them called anxiety attacks. You'll hear people say that they're triggered. Sometimes if they're very extreme, they're considered a trauma response. So all of those are kind of synonyms for this same experience. And this experience is a very intense feeling of fear, really, Kevin. It's not just every day like, oh, I'm feeling a little anxious. I'm a little worried about this might happen. It's a an experience that's both physical and mental, and it usually includes um, symptoms like uh, you might feel like you might actually shake, your stomach might be upset, you might break into sweats, um, your heart may race. This is why sometimes people have um, panic attacks or anxiety attacks and they wind up in the ER. They think they're having a heart attack because their heart is racing and their breath is very shallow. And um, not everyone experiences all of those symptoms, but it's very acute. And they may last for, you know, an hour. They may last for 20 minutes. They may last for two. They're usually accompanied by thoughts that are very uh, fast and they seem very real, that something terrible is about to happen to you. In general, what's happening is something in your life seems similar to your past, whatever it might be, you know, maybe I'm afraid I'm going to get fired, right? And that, to me, as an adoptee, speaks to a lot of rejection, right? Terrible rejection. So rather than just being able to, wow, that's a little upsetting, I feel flooded by all of these symptoms. And so the way to, you know, work with these symptoms is you know, there are there's certainly medications you can take. And like I said, talk therapy is really helpful. And so is mindfulness to just sit down and be with these symptoms and uh, not try to push them away and not try to argue with them, 
but rather be with the experience that you're having with, you know, a lot of kindness. You know, you, you mentioned triggers and that, that certain things will trigger these events. Um, can you, can you kind of describe, because I think there are lots of people that are listening in the audience that may have had one and didn't recognize what it is and don't, don't know why, and uh, they don't know what triggered them. They all, they just know they got triggered. Uh, so describe with the term triggered and what it, what it means when, when something happens to somebody. Is it, is it like a, um, a flash from the past, something that happened before that you're scared is going to happen again? Uh, what, what exactly is it? Well, I think, first of all, for everyone, it's going to be a little different. And I also want to, the word trigger is used um, often today, and it often just means upsetting. You know, so someone will say, you know, don't read this, you'll be triggered. And what they really mean is don't read this. It might make you angry. It might make you sad. And that is not what we're talking about. Anger, sadness, feelings are okay. But when when used clinically, triggering means that something in your environment has uh, causes and conditions in your environment have an association with something in your past. It could be an event, a car accident. It could be, um, you know, a difficult uh, relationship with a family member. Um, it's not super specific, Kevin, in for very few of us, at least, that, um, oh, every time there's a loud noise, this happens to me. It's more like when something outside of me reminds me of something terrible that happened to me or that I associate as terrible and remember as terrible, then I'm sort of swept back to that same feeling. Even though right now in the present, that terrible event is not happening. But you don't really know that it's not happening, which is why that you are triggered by that, and it means so much to you. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly, Kevin. And that's part of working with panic attacks, is recognizing, oh, I am having all these symptoms, and I'm feeling afraid, terrified, whatever the feeling is. But there's nothing in my environment that's triggering that. I'm actually okay right now. That's and then being able, you know, to be with yourself and say, okay, I'm safe. Everything's safe right now. It's, I was just having a, like I said, a trigger is probably not even the right word. I, causes and conditions have come together to remind my body and mind of something to make me believe that it's the same terrible thing. Well, now, because of those and because of what was happening in your life, you turn to um, for lack of a better term, I, I think you turn to Eastern philosophy, which would be uh, Buddhism and stuff. Now, you know, I don't know that anybody. Now, you've studied quite a quite a bit, and I don't know if I if you were to say to me, describe Buddhism, I'm not sure that I could. Um, I I know about meditation, I know some of the mindful practices, but what exactly is Buddhism? And why did it help you to the degree it did? That's a great question, Kevin. First, I just want to say Buddhism is very like any other great world religion. That like Christianity, there are many different sects, many different lineages. So I'm not speaking for every Buddhist religion or um, uh, tradition. 
but what they all have in common and what Buddhism um, is helpful for is it provides um, meditations and techniques and guidance to help alleviate suffering. The point of Buddhism is to use these tools to see what's true. Okay, what is true in all our lives? Well, everything's impermanent, not just our life, but everything is moving. The light changes. Today's not yesterday. Everything's changing. That's a truth. It's true that we all have struggles. That's a truth. It's true that all of our actions, all, everything we say and do, you know, they have outcomes. They can make have effect. Um, it's true that what we think of as our self, you know, this Kevinness or Kevinness is, um, is also dynamic and changing and fluid. So um, all of the disciplines in um, Buddhism help to recognize the truth. And through these truths, we don't have to struggle and suffer against what's real. And what's real is, for example, most of us are trying to change what can't be changed. Okay, That's happening all the time. Or make things permanent that aren't permanent, you know, um, and that causes us a lot of struggle and strife. So these practices enable us to notice, oh, I'm trying to trying to make my mom not an alcoholic, Kevin, and that is not going to happen. Okay, that was causing me a lot of grief. And so letting go and knowing what you can control and what you can't is really useful. And, and the tools of Buddhism, that mainly, many of them are meditation-based, but others are action-based in trying to orient your speech in a careful way, trying to orient your actions in a way to benefit yourself and, and be truly wise. You know, I'm just, I'm just curious to know because it, it's, it strikes me that uh, there's, a, there's a real difference between Western religion and Eastern religion. Why do you think that is? Uh, because Eastern religion was around long before uh, Christianity and, and Western religion was. But why did they not adopt some of these, these I think, some real founding principles? As, in, as a matter of fact, in the Lutheran Church, when I was growing up, meditation was considered not something that you would do because it's, quote-unquote, of the devil, at least in the sect that I, I was part of. And it doesn't make any sense to me because it's just being quiet. It's very similar to prayer, um, but it's it's very it's very quiet and and it can it can really be helpful. Why why do you think we have this disconnect? You know, it's interesting. I'm not a, a religious historian, obviously, but I was I I had learned that at one time all the Abrahamic religions had a contemplative part. That's Islam and Christianity and Judaism. And that over the centuries, that got lost, I think, for different reasons in different traditions. And there has been a movement toward reviving that, at least in the U.S. There is a uh, priest named Father Richard Rohr. He's written some beautiful books. He talks a lot about contemplative prayer and walking the labyrinth in the Catholic tradition. There is um, a big movement in the Jewish tradition in the U.S. to uh, revive contemplative techniques, um, again, sort of different types of prayer. I'm not so sure about the Islamic tradition, but I believe all are trying to, um, to 
use them again because they are useful tools, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you really want to be understanding of yourself, you have to get quiet and be with yourself. And you don't really even need a religion to do that, but it's necessary. Talking is not going to, it goes only a certain, it only goes so far. You know, you have to stop talking and just be. Well, you know, it's interesting because if you, um, the reason that they call it the, um, what do they call it? The Abrahamic uh, traditions or because they all came from one guy and that was Abraham. Yeah. And his and his offspring and his children, and one formed the uh, Muslim religion, the other formed Judaism, and then Judaism morphed into Christianity later on. Uh, but uh, um, so, if, if those guys were not part of that and didn't understand the Eastern traditions, it would have gotten lost in their world because they weren't part of that. So, uh, at least, at least, in in my humble opinion, that's so. But it's interesting because. I think that we are finding with the advent of uh, acupuncture in, in the 70s and 80s and, and chiropractic um, and different modalities like that, that we're finding that things that we thought we knew, we don't know. And so it's really important to search in other ways and stuff. And that's one of the things that you do is you've written a couple of books. One is Navigating Grief and Loss, 25 Buddhist Practices to Keep Your Heart Open to Yourself and Others. And I want to focus on that because it's a particularly tough time right now. It is uh, January of 2023, and it seems like a lot of people are leaving the planet. Um, and I don't have any statistics for that, but, but it seems like every day you hear about something that tragic that happened to someone. And, uh, so grief is grief and loss is a major topic of discussion this time of year. I think, do you find that to be in the people that you talk to? Yes, absolutely. Um, if not, because as you say, people are dying, um, in, you know, this time of year, it's also a time of year in which we're reminded of losses. You know, it's the, the new year. We just got through the holiday season. And many people are reminded of people that they care about who are no longer here with us. And so it can be a time where people are grieving and mourning. You know, it's interesting because in, um, in my family, we spent a lot of time in the holidays celebrating holidays in a um, um, Chinese restaurant. And the reason for that was that we were near the hospital because somebody inevitably would be in the hospital, either my father or my brother or my sister. And, 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 and so the only thing open were Chinese restaurants. So we always ended up there. So that's, that's kind of a trigger for my family is that the holidays were a particularly difficult time. And so we didn't, we are really kind of relieved now that, that we made it through the holidays and nobody ended up in the hospital. So that was kind of cool. Um, but That's that, great. Happens, that happens to a lot of families is that it's, it's a tough time of year. It is a tough time of year. And here's the thing, you know, we talk about this, me too, Kevin, like, oh, no, this person died. Oh, no, this person got sick. And of course, we don't want that to happen. And we do our best to prevent those things from happening. And it's going to happen. 
So part of grief and loss is normalizing that yes, loss indeed will happen. We do our best to keep ourselves and others safe and healthy. And yet each one of us will get sick, will grow older, will die. You know? And so know part of what can <laughs> exactly, Kevin, that's perfect because that's that's sort of how we all feel. Like, oh no, 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 don't I don't want to see that. And I feel that way too. And yet it's the truth. And the more that we push it away, the less we're able then to actually feel like, wow, that that is sad, that is painful. And how can I appreciate life right now? How can I recognize, wow, it's very precious. It doesn't last forever. How can I do my best to, you know, create conditions for myself and for others to thrive and live a long time? Even even when you lose somebody, I lost my brother a couple of years ago um, and I lost my mother last year. Um, and even when you lose people, if you have a certain faith and belief structure, then you can get through the grief. And yeah, of course, I'm going to always miss their physical presence, but I haven't lost their presence. Does that make sense? Yes, that's beautiful. Because I think that there are ways in which we learn through our society, which is a very, you know, grief and death denying society um, to kind of push the grief away and not pay attention to it. And when you do that, then you, how can you think or hold your dear one? You can't because you can't even bring it up. Um, and what you find is when you can have your grief and understand it and recognize it and bring kindness to it, well, then you get to also honor and, and keep in your heart all of the memories and also all of the um all the ways you were affected in you know beautifully by your someone you, you care about you know that that is so true and i i just have to say we and in the united states we have sterilized death to the point of where we don't even um well did you know that there are there are services that are 24 hours a day uh, that will come and when somebody dies they will come and they will take them and uh, take them where they need to go so in a lot of cases in some cultures it doesn't work like that they they stay in with the family and the family can 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 grieve over them and they can they can pray over them and that sort of thing and then they bury them but in in our society we're sanitizing it. So if somebody somebody's paid to come along and to take these people, and then they they're gone, and then you never see them again. Um, and oftentimes, yeah. it's it's uh, you, you if they're if you do a cremation, then you don't ever see them again. And, and so we and I know you've also worked in hospice, um, and you volunteered in hospice and stuff. So you're you're really well aware of the uh, circle and the cycle of life. Yes. And yes, you know, it's a century ago, we all would have seen someone die or been with someone who has recently died. And now, like you said, you might not even be able to do that. Um, why is it valuable? Well, I think it's valuable to not look away. Like you said, we're trying to kind of sweep it all under the rug. But this will happen. And is it upsetting? My gosh, of course it is. To be with someone you love who's dying, that is very distressing. And it's very beautiful. 
And it's very, it can be very healing to see someone through their life without looking away and being able to be present with their struggle and yours and anybody else who's there. Exactly. You know, and the one thing that we don't do nearly as much today as we did uh, when I was a kid is that we don't we don't have funerals with open caskets and and that sort of thing and so that you have an opportunity to say say goodbye to that person but my observation of that was you know and this is it goes to part of my belief structure and my faith is that um when my grandparents when my grandfather was alive he looked a certain way he his face his facial features looked a certain way. The way that his his uh, lips were and, and his eyebrows and all that kind of stuff. Well, after they pass away, oftentimes the person that's making them up can't duplicate what they were like alive because their soul is no longer there. Their inner essence is no longer there. And so that taught me at a very early age that, uh, yes, we have a soul. And yes, when they die, the soul continues and leaves the body. Um, And I learned that. And I know that in in Eastern philosophy and, and in your practices, you believe that as well. Well, it's, a, it's subtly different because Buddhism doesn't believe there is like a, a soul, but they do believe there's a continuity. They just don't feel that it's kind of one. There's no Kim, but there is a life being. Um, I don't have the answers, Kevin, and I kind of don't, um, I don't know what happens, you know, when we die. I'm more more interested in how to live well Um, but there certainly is like you're saying if you've been with someone who died they're not there anymore immediately they're not there anymore what does that mean what is a life force what is a soul something is it's clear that we're not just these bodies we know the really cool part of that is none of us is ever going to find out until we get there that's right that's right so we have to. So we get the we get the opportunity to wait. By the way, we are talking with Kimberly Brown. If you want to go to her website, meditationwithheart.com is her website, and then she's got uh, her stories there, and uh, also about the books that she's written. And we're going to talk more about uh, navigating grief and loss. And uh, we need to take a really quick break, and I promise it's just really quick. So uh, we we'll, we we'll need to do that, and uh, and we'll be back more with. Kimberly Brown right after these messages. Please stay with us. Hey there. I'm excited that you're listening right now. And if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show, which is recorded live, is packed with positive information with real people discussing real issues and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. When you want to say more than words, communicate. You can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. 
Now through New Year's Eve, here's your exclusive bonus for being our appreciated listener. Type in promo code Positive Talk Radio at checkout to receive $20 off your order. Our gift to you for being here with us today. AnaturalDesign.com These days, it's difficult to be able to do it all, especially as a small business owner. Marketing your business can be really tough, especially developing a presence on social media, creating commercial content, and media production. That's where KMmedia.pro can help. You see, in addition to creating a great podcast called Positive Talk Radio, we also have a radio show, video, audio production, content creation, including commercials, video shorts and trailers, voiceovers, social media development, and so much more. It only makes sense to hire a pro to get your business noticed. That's what we do. Please visit kmmedia.pro for more information and to schedule a consultation to take your business stream to the next level. That's kmmedia.pro. Yes, we can. From time to time, someone really shakes things up and creates new thoughts and ideas about how to improve existing practices. Meet Sandy Stamato. Focused on women in business, Sandy has developed a whole new approach to selling your products and services called Sage Selling. This new concept, based on positive intelligence, is a real game changer. Imagine selling without the fear of rejection, feeling weird, and doubting yourself. Sandy's technique actually changes your brain to think and act in a new way, and in the process, changes everything about your business. Contact Sandy at www.limdweller.com for a personal consultation. That's limdweller.com. Change your mind and change your world. And welcome back, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. And uh, we've got a great guest for you today. And first of all, i got to say that uh, A Natural Design, she doesn't know yet, but she's now giving 20% off all the way through New Year's Eve 2024, 20, the end of 2023. Um, so, so I know that she will honor that, and uh, they do a great job. So, um, But uh, um, Kimberly... Brown is with us today, and she's the author of a couple of books. One is Navigating Grief and Loss, and the other one is Steady and Calm and Brave, um, Buddhist, 25 Buddhist Practices for Wisdom and Resilience in a Crisis. There, and then you're, that's being reissued in January 2023. So when did that one come out? Um, that came out in the middle of the pandemic. It was oh, very, I was wrote, at that time, I wrote it very quickly. Yes, because I and my students were really frightened and struggling in the crisis. And um, it's been revised now to uh, address more than just a pandemic and, and any of the crises we might face, you know, health crisis or natural disaster and how we can keep our minds steady, even even in times like that it's that would be that would be really hard to uh to keep your mind steady when as an example around here if we have a major uh um earthquake or mount mount rainier decides to to uh um blow up or something like that so you know we don't we don't really know and you never know until it until it happens and then then you have to deal with it so um, and I'm glad you're working through that. Now, we're looking at 25 Buddhist practices or, and principles. What are some of these that can help us get through both the grief process and also uh, remaining steady and calm in times of crisis? 
Yeah. I mean, first off, it's you're right. In a crisis, it's really hard to keep your mind steady. It's really hard not to be afraid, not to make you know rash decisions sometimes. So the best idea is to practice now. Practice when things are calm, right? You're building up a skill. That skill is to not get caught in anxiety, fear, um, anger, right? To be able to notice when you have anxiety, fear, anger, and to be with it, not have to say anything or do anything. So the practices, the very first one is one that many people already know, mindfulness. You don't have to be a Buddhist to practice mindfulness. First, you start to develop concentration by putting all your attention on your breath. That's it. Sit quietly. Notice your breathing. Then you'll start thinking about lunch or something you have to do or a movie you saw. Okay, no problem. You come back. You keep coming back to your breath, to this one place. And in doing so, you develop an ability to not get so caught up in events, right? The ability to say, oh, okay, I know where my mind is. I'm going to come back, come back to right now, this present moment. Whatever's happening in your senses is happening right now, right? You can't breathe tomorrow or yesterday. So that is the, the first and easiest way to start to develop a steady mind. Another way to stay steady and to keep your heart open to yourself and, and others in tough times is to practice um, a type of meditation called metta, M-E-T-T-A. It's translated as loving kindness. And these are simply uh, phrases to repeat to yourself. May you be happy. May I be happy. May you be safe. May I be safe. And the repetition of these phrases in itself become both um, a way to orient your thoughts toward something more positive and to, again, steady your mind so you're not spun out into what happened yesterday or what you're afraid might happen. We're always looking at what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, there was a gal that uh, she was a four, uh, let's see, a three-time cancer survivor. And she was part of, now you've also been part of Gilda's Club. And uh, um, now Gilda's Club was here, and I think they changed the name now. But tell us a little bit about your work with Gilda's Club back east. Yes, I, they have also changed their name. Uh, it's now called the Red Door. And for several years through the pandemic, I... Um, was teaching online to people who, people either who were being treated for cancer or had had cancer or had a loved one who it was affected by cancer. And so it was interesting because most of my students are, you know, people who aren't in a crisis, who don't have a health scare, who don't have cancer. And so their worries are if something like that were to happen. Right. But to work with people who already have a serious illness or are close to it, they've already had that phone call. And it's interesting. They already, um, many of them, know what's important. You know, there aren't a lot of trivialities they're too concerned about. So working with that group is, um, it was really, it's a learning for me when I work with people there because they already have a certain wisdom from their experience. 
Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, because the gal, now this goes about all the way back in 2003, but the Gilda's Club um, came, you know, first of all, at that time, Gilda's Club was uh, um, started by, oh, the actor, Young Frankenstein. Nathan, help me. Gilda Radner. Yeah, her, well, her husband, after Gilda died. Uh, Jean, oh, was the actor, Jean, okay. Gene uh, uh, Wilder. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, Gene Wilder started it because Gilda died of cervical cancer, I believe. And and he wanted to to, to honor her. And so um, it was a club where people could go that had cancer and also a support group for people who were relatives of people who had cancer. And so this, this nice young lady came on to the show and we were talking about life and past and present and future and she she looked at she looked at me and she said you know if you have one foot in the past and you have the other foot in the future you're peeing on the present and even though it's not necessarily you know uh, uh, kosher to say but it it is it really is that that all we have is today all we have is right now and when you have a life-changing event like that you become to understand that a little bit better, don't you? Yes, you absolutely do. And it's funny that don't pee on the present. I had a Zen teacher who would say, don't miss your life. And he meant it the same way. When we're in a fantasy about tomorrow or worrying about yesterday, well, you're missing right now. And, and practicing mindfulness and wisdom is coming to right now and noticing what might seem dull. You know, people think, well, nothing's going on. Well, if you sit and close your eyes, everything's going on. The light is changing. You'll hear the birds outside. You'll, you know, see thoughts and feelings. Um, and getting accustomed to paying attention to these subtleties, it's very, um, it's very gratifying. And it gives you an, a new appreciation for, for right here, right now. Most of us spend every waking day thinking about what we have to do, thinking about what we did, thinking about what the consequences are and all that kind of stuff. How do you teach your students to be more mindful, to be more and living more in the moment? Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm a meditation teacher. So that's the, that's the skill that has helped me and helped my students learn to be more mindful. There are many other techniques, but this one has worked the best for me and for others. And so what I suggest to people and anybody who's listening, if you don't have a practice, begin one. Set a timer for 15 minutes. Put all your devices away. Sit down. Bring your attention to your breath. You'll soon start thinking or remembering or having images or thinking about what you got to do, like you just said. And that's okay because the practice is to start to notice where your mind is. Where is my attention? Okay, guess what? I have a choice where I can bring it. And Kevin, I was never taught that. I was just taught, you know, your mind works and you get caught here and caught there. And I don't know, who, what's the choice? Well, you have a choice. You can choose to react or not. You can choose to let your stories go and believe them or not. And when you start to practice in this way, it's very like, well, it's like lifting a weight. If you go to the gym and you're kind of crabby that day or you're happy that day, when you lift that weight, you're going to get a muscle. And it's the same here. You might sit down. Your mind might be very wild. 
you might get caught in an argument you had with someone and you keep coming back and you keep coming back to the, your breath to the what's happening right now and then you, you gain that same skill you're able to keep coming back and then when things are rough kevin there's an earthquake or you, your boss is a jerk you can stand more steady and calm in that moment you can count on your own breath and through that you're much more likely to make good decisions for yourself and others because you're seeing more clearly what's real and what's not, what's fantasy. When you say to people in your class, okay, put down your device. Do you ever get, you ever get pushback? <laughs> it's like, what do you mean push? What do you mean? Put down my device. You mean I can't meditate and be scrolling through Facebook at the same time. Do you ever it's get anybody funny. Like that? It's really hard for people. I have, I, it's funny. I had when early on when I was teaching, this was almost a decade ago, Kevin, someone sent their husband who I live in New York city and he it was a man in his fifties, a partner in a big law firm. He was very busy and very influential. And he came to me for, you know, a lesson. And I was, you know, I asked him to put his Blackberry down and he did, but he kept picking it up. He said, no, I have to. And then he said, well, can I practice this while I'm in, um, while I'm at the gym in the steam room? And I said, well, no, you can only do one thing at a time. Um, and it was just very funny. I, I didn't, um, I wasn't quite as confident as a teacher. And now I would not let him even keep that phone next to him. You know, we would put it in another room. But yes, it's very hard for people because the thoughts seem very powerful. It seems very real. No, 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 no. Don't take that from me. Something very important is going to happen if I don't have it, if I don't answer it. Right. But when you slowly set it down, you start to say, no, 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 that's not true. Everything's fine. I can sit here for 15 minutes without it. It's fine. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit older and I remember the days when if people called you, you actually had to go over to where a phone was uh, and pick the phone up. And then if you missed the call, uh, a lot of times it just, they would have to call back because before you had answering machines. And I thought answering machines were the coolest thing. And that, that happened in like in the 70s and 80s. But before that, if you, and some people even had a party line, so they might have two or three other households that are using the same phone line. And now you have people who cannot put down their phone because they have to check their email. They have to check their, 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 their calls, and they will not sit down and just be and, and just let it go and just relax. It will still be there when you're done. Um, and so you're able to convince people of that now? Yes, I am. Some, although they're self-selecting, Kevin, you know, they're choosing to learn meditation and they know they have to. But for everyone, whoever's listening, you don't even have to meditate. Just put your devices down. Go have a cup of tea in the kitchen without a device and really <laughs> allow yourself to experience the tea, experience yourself. Because as you say, we are losing that ability. And I also just want to say I am not anti-tech. I use computers and phones. I, you know, it's amazing the things that we've been able to do. And we want them to be our tools. That we don't want them to be our masters. You know, so being able to you be in charge of it. You set it down. You take the time to take care of yourself. You know, appropriately. You know, I was in uh, middle management for uh, in the in the era of the cell phone. And what I found was that because of the cell phone, 
you never got a night off because if you had to, in the olden days, way back when, if somebody wanted to call you, they'd call you between nine to five or they'd leave a message or, or they would wait till the next day. Now they can call you at six, seven, eight, nine, and then you, or leave you a text. And then you have, then you have to answer the text. And so you, so we don't ever get a chance to just rest and be in a lot of cases, because we've got all these distractions that are coming at us from all these different places. And then, and then you have your TV on and your texting and it's crazy. Um, and it doesn't work for your mental well-being very well, does it? No, it doesn't. And again, you know, all of these devices, it's all wonderful in many ways. And, and, and it has been such a useful thing to the human race. And as you're saying, What's happened is many of us use these devices to take us away from this moment because we haven't learned just to be with ourselves. I start to worry. I start to get hungry. I start to get think about yesterday, and I pick up a phone because it's just an instant way to move away from my experience. So relearning just to be with yourself, be with whatever's arising, the good, the bad, the boring, and then also, when you have that ability, you can do it with other people, too. You can be with them and their excitement and distress and feel more connected. Exactly. And it's just like I, I really don't like texting because I don't think texting gives you the true flavor of what conversation you're actually having with someone. Um, because it's it's just words. And uh, if if you say the words in the wrong order or they seem abrupt and stuff you don't get a feel for what it's like to actually have a conversation with somebody but but nathan i gotta ask you you're a little younger than we are and uh and so if i were to say to you i want you to put your phone down for a day would you be would it be possible for you to do that i think it'll be five minutes and i'm already thinking about it (laughs) because that's what you're conditioned to do now but it's not good for you uh, in the in the in the grand scheme of things, so so by the way, we we are talking with uh, um, Kimberly Brown, and if you want to go to meditationwithheart.com, that's her website. It's a beautiful website, by the way. Thank you, you, Kevin. You're welcome, and you've got and you've got lots of lots of stuff there, and uh, and you can actually, um, um, if somebody wants to work with you, how do they get that done? Oh. Well, you know, you have some choices. If you go to the website, meditationwithheart.com, you can see, A, there's um, access to a number of talks that, you know, those are all free. Um, And there's a blog there. You can read my writing. Um, I also give group classes. Most of those are online and you can take a look. I have um, an evening on February 14th, Valentine's Day, and it's a grief and navigating grief talk and meditation. And then I have a six-week program coming up in March for those who've experienced a loss uh, to, you know, learn some tools and techniques to bring kindness to your grief. I also work with people individually. I have a lot of one-on-one students, and that is on the website as well, information about that. Um, I have a newsletter. You'll see it all there. Um, you can always just email me, kim at meditation.com, meditationwithheart.com. So your class is on uh, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day? 
yes, it is. Oh, that's, um, that's, that's pretty cool. Thanks. Yes, I'm teaching it through um, a meditation center, Shantideva Meditation Center here in New York. And we both felt that maybe that was going to be a hard day for people that are grieving or have experienced loss. And so it's that evening, actually, from 7 to 8.30 Eastern time. I think I think that's a really good thing. I, I had to put my dog down on uh on Valentine's Day, and that that just about killed me. But uh, so, and I think you know, even though Valentine's Day and and other you know days are celebratory, I think that there's a lot of folks that had negative things that happened to us on that day, and uh, and so it it would be helpful to get some guidance and some help to get through some of the icky stuff that that happened to us all the time. Um, and, uh, and stuff. So that would, that would be good. And the, now is that going to be online? That will be online. That'll be on zoom. And how do they get the online and interactive? Just go to your website, right? Yeah. There's a calendar on my website. It has all of my upcoming teachings. Kevin. Yeah. Oh, very good. So what's next for you? Do you think? Well, I'm, I haven't begun it yet, but I'm writing a proposal about a book on joy. Um, it'll be in the same series, the 25 Practices series. But it, I, I think we all have some obstacles to feeling joy, both relationally and just allowing ourselves to appreciate small things and, and have gratitude for our life. So um, it will be very uh, similar, but I hope a little bit more uplifting, perhaps. Exactly. You know, if you're if you're sitting inside and you're in your cubicle and you're listening to this or and uh, I would encourage you the next time you go outside, rather than just keep bustling along to stop. Just stop and watch. And absorb what's going on around you. And the, the the sheer majesty of where we where in Washington where we live the sheer majesty of all the things that are going on it can really be a calming influence especially if you're going to then get into your car and go get on the highways you need to be calm when you do that so just just stop and take it in and that's that's a good mindful practice isn't it yeah it's beautiful it's perfect what you what you're saying to take it in most of the time we're standing here and like you said we're we're looking we're listening where you have this like doing 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 and what you're suggesting just stand here let see what's in front of you hear what's in front of you in a beautiful environment like that smell what's in front of you and just allow it all to be and you'll you will have a certain calming experience from just being here in what you're experiencing. Because after all, we are not a human doing. We are a human being. That is correct. I would love to take yeah. credit for that, but that's Neil Donald Walsh. <laughs> conversation with God. But, but, but that's, uh, that is so true that we, we don't, yeah. in, we don't stop. And then when we get to the, the end of our life, we don't, we don't get to do that enough. Um, so, you know, yeah. do it now, do it now. And also, by the way, um, be kind and be loving to all the people that you know, and make sure that they know, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, uh, um, that it, you know, so make sure you tell everybody, you know, love them and give them a hug. That, that's good advice, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely <clears throat> is. Kevin, 
if you want to, I mean, part of what makes us happy and the psychologists agree with this is our relationships with other people and as connected and as kind as we can be to ourselves and each other, it really works and it increases our um, sense of satisfaction in life. And that's important because you, you, it just is, it's just as important. So by the way, again, we're talking with, um, um, Kimberly Brown and go to her website, which is meditationwithheart.com. Kimberly, we've got about three minutes and 54, no, 40 seconds left. So I'm going to set myself aside and I would like you to have the opportunity to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know. Well, what I'd really like people to know, whoever's listening, especially those of you who might have experienced a loss, a loss can be a death in your family. It could mean someone uh, close to you died. It might be that you got fired or lost a job you liked or got a divorce or maybe your pet died. So if you're listening and you've experienced a loss, I just want everyone to know that it's normal to grieve, that you um, can have these feelings and this loss and you can still experience joy and um, enjoy your life and keep connected to yourself and each other that's really beautiful thank you very much thank you very much for that you know i know people who are experiencing grief and have been for like 20 years that's not normal is it well i hate to use the word normal but what or not normal you know to suggest that but this the clinically that's um it's considered prolonged mourning. And if you are in prolonged mourning, which means not only do you miss someone that died and it's many years later, but it's impacting your day-to-day life, then that is a time to ask for help. You know, talk with family and friends, talk with a bereavement counselor, because there is a way in which you can still miss that person who died. And have a um, happy life now isn't it true that that's if if they could speak to you that that's what they would want you to have a happy life you know most people that love you yes i believe that's true that that would be what they'd wish for you yeah i know i would wish that me too me too like get get over yourself go have fun that's life is short. You got to go relax and enjoy yourself. Uh, by the way, Kimberly Brown has been our guest. Meditationwithheart.com is the uh, is the website. And uh, Nathan, we got something new happening on Monday. I am excited for it. What what is what do we have new that's happening on Monday? In addition to listening to the show, just audio only. If you follow the Facebook page of Positive Talk Radio and see the live shows, well, on Facebook and YouTube, well, that's going to happen on KKNW now. So all the KKNW shows will have video to go along with the audio. So you can see some of the beautiful guests and beautiful people that we have, and and Nathan over there, and then unfortunately you're going to have to look at me too. But that's beside the point. So, um, it's, but it's great fun. And I want to thank Kimberly Brown for being here and uh, thank you so much. And Nathan, I will see you on Monday and we're going to do the live streaming thing. And by the way, everybody do me a favor, please. And, um, be kind to one another because you know, each other's all we've got. We'll see you Monday afternoon.
Have a great day. 